This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Today, it is such an honor for me to be able to share with you guys as we continue through Acts. Um, If you haven't been with us, we've been going through the book of Acts, and um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 15 today. If you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. We have Bibles that we would love to get in your hands. If you don't own a Bible, you could keep this Bible as our gift to you. If you do have a Bible, after service, just leave it, um, and we will put it to good use. So get, get a Bible, flip to Acts 15, but I just wanted to share with you guys how... Uh, how honored I am to be a part of this community. Um, it is, it's an amazing gift to have the leadership that we have here. Um, Pastor Wayne, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Dave, uh, Pastor Jim, Pastor Wes. These guys have spoken to my life they hold me accountable. They call me to repentance. They call me to re- celebration. I'm so thankful. But you know what? To be honest, it's more of a gift even just being in relationship with each of you that are here. I honestly am overwhelmed often by what it means to be a part of this community and family. You hear people say, man, if you can find those two or three folks in your whole life that you feel connected to, you're doing well. And let me tell you, the biggest problem that we have around holidays and birthdays and, and different things is how do you fit 200 people into your living room? Because you don't know who to exclude from the party. Because we feel so close to the people that are in this, this uh, room. You've taught us much. And, you know... One of the things that growing up, I grew up in the church, um, and one of the things about that is that you often start feeling this sense of you are a world changer and a history maker, and you have to do something big in the kingdom of God to somehow change the world. But it's crazy that Scripture calls us to be a display people together, not in isolation as as world changers and history makers, but in the mundane. In a world that's broken and we aren't going to fix the world. Jesus comes back and makes all things right. And there's healing and there's restoration and there's amazing miracles that take place. But that's so that the light shines brighter in darkness. And I have been so relieved and humbled to be a small part of a community that is a display people in Alhambra, in the mundane of life, in the birthday parties, but also in seeing marriages healed, seeing healings take place, seeing families restored, seeing God at work through His Spirit, seeing people Um, filled with the Spirit of God to go out on mission and declare the good news of the gospel, that you 
are called and included in this family. So today we get to continue through Acts chapter, or Acts, and I'm going to be talking to you about Acts chapter 15. If you, um, it's crazy because I, I have been learning so much as we've been studying this book together. But if you're new to the Bible or new here, Acts comes right after the Gospels. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. This is where the story of Jesus is told. His life, his birth, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And he ends by commissioning his followers to go tell everyone the incredible news that they're forgiven. You owe nothing. You are forgiven, and now you can forgive others through the power of the Holy Spirit. Go, and I will perform miracles, and you'll be my display people to which that happens. And no longer is it just the Jews, but it's for everyone. Acts is where that display people come together to live this out, this commissioning of Jesus. And this is where we get to see the church being established. We get to see the incredible miracles. We get to see the growth. But we also get to see the persecution and challenges that occur when you try to bring people together from all different backgrounds and cultures. Let me tell you this right now. As I, I started in on this book, I'm super excited to talk to you about this because it unlocks something for me and it helped me connect a whole bunch of things that I didn't see before. To me, the, New, the Old Testament makes a lot of sense in the story of God, the flow of it, how everything works. Then the Gospels make sense because it's Jesus and the fulfillment of all of that stuff. And then Acts is the story of the church's establishment, but then there's just random letters that kind of continue on to tie everything together. And it's kind of disjointed in some ways as it felt. But this text by itself, in and of itself, connected so much uh, for me. And so I'm going to try and communicate that. I'm hoping that uh, so much of what God is communicating through the whole of New Testament is displayed here. And so if you're already there before um, we read this text together, I think it's really, it's really, really important that we try to connect some of the dots of what's taken place already, and it's just going to be a short recap because there's no way I can go back through the last six months. So, in Acts chapter 3, the Holy Spirit falls on the church where they're up in the upper room praying, right? This is about 30 AD that this takes place. This is after Jesus. They're praying. They're waiting for what's next. The Holy Spirit falls on them, and they start declaring the gospel message in all different languages. Which was the first time that the gospel had transcended this salvation through race or nationality. 
and became an open message to the whole of the world. Because up to this point in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, the whole story is about God choosing a people that's a displayed people by nationality and by the obedience to the law and sacrifice, animal sacrifice, in order to show that they are in desperate need of a Savior. At this point, Christ has returned and the law has been fulfilled in Christ. And now, the Holy Spirit falls and for the first time, the Gospel is declared in every language. It didn't matter what they were born into. Class. Nationality. Gender. Culture. Political party. Thousands of people come to follow Jesus. And then it says, the Lord added to the church daily. Now something else that I forget when I'm reading the book of Acts because it does this thing where it like drops in on these highlights. Pastor Aaron talked about that a few weeks ago. This is like the highlight reel and it just drops in on it and then kind of moves to the next thing. That there's a huge gap in time that's taking place between all of this stuff. So about seven years later in Acts chapter 10, Peter receives this vision. It says he goes into this trance and this sheet comes down from heaven with all of these animals that culturally the Jews, if they were following the Torah, if they were following the law of Moses, they couldn't eat this stuff. It was unclean. Just to touch it was unclean, not alone to eat it. And so the sheet comes down and he hears this voice and the voice says to him, go take and eat of these animals. And he's like, heck no, I'm not touching that stuff. Heck no. Sheet goes back up, comes back down, eat it. No way, I can't touch this stuff. Remember, even though he's found faith in Jesus by grace alone, by the work of Jesus, that he's fulfilled the law now and I'm no longer bound to that, he still is trying to piece together mentally how does this cultural Judaism, how does my Jewness apply to this new message of the gospel? And he's I can't do it. I can't do this. Comes down again. He eats. And then it says that in that message, he was told to go and declare the gospel to the Gentiles. This message is for everyone. This is seven years past the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell. So with the blessing of all the brothers and the apostles, he goes out to the surrounding areas and begins to declare the message of the gospel and the Holy Spirit falls the same way that it fell in Acts chapter 3. Now, about 12 years later, because of persecution, the gospel is going into new places and Barnabas gets sent to Antioch because the Spirit of God's at work there. They hear about it. And these are other cities that are starting to include the outcasts and the unclean and the broken into the family. And they're getting invited into the family. And so they send Barnabas up to figure out what's going on. 
And it's here that we, he meets this young guy named Paul who just a few years earlier had been persecuting the Jews that were turning to Christ, the Christian Jews that were now coming to faith. He was persecuting them, and it was driving them into new areas. This is something that you need to realize about the the growth of the church and Acts. It wasn't strategic that the church moved out of Jerusalem and Judea. It was due to persecution, right? We like to think of these missionary journeys that Paul goes on as the foundation of why everything started branching out. That's part of it. But the reality was the church was being so persecuted that they were being driven from their homes and establishing new communities in Gentile lands. And as a result of that, the Gentiles were being included into this family. So for five years, Paul and Barnabas are traveling together, sharing the gospel And they're establishing and strengthening the church. Miracles are happening. And the church is this mix of Jewish believers being pushed from their communities because of the belief that Jesus was their Savior. They'd been waiting for. And the Gentiles that are being invited in with traditions in the occult. And this is where we land when we get to Acts chapter 15. So today I'm going to read this story to you. We're not going to stand together, but, but I want you to understand that we're entering into the Word of God and, and we take this very seriously. But I want you to hear this story and read along with me. Um, and I want you to see that what we're landing on, and you could see in, in uh, chapter 14, verse 28, is after Paul and Barnabas had been traveling all over in this kind of circular motion, um, connecting with all the churches that were uh, being planted and, and established, uh, he gets back to Antioch. And they're there with them for a while. Starting at verse 1 now. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. Unless you were circumcised according to the customs of Moses, you can't be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas And some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It's necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe, and God who knows the heart bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as He did to us. And He made no distinction between us and them. Having cleansed their hearts by faith, 
Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent. They listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they had finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to make from, from them a people for his name. And with this, words of the prophets agree just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, by judgment is that we should, therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood and from ancient generations for from ancient generations Moses has had in every has had in every city those who proclaim him for he is read every sabbath in the synagogues then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch. With Paul and Barnabas, they sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers, with the following letter, the brothers, both the apostles and the elders to the brothers, who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instruction, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they sent, were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Jesus Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that in the middle of us trying to work out our own salvation, you call us back to repentance. You call us back to you. You save us not by 
any other work but the work of your son, Jesus. We love you. In your name. So let's break this down. Because this, you guys are thinking right now, you're like, how did this unlock so much for you? Because this makes no sense. (laughs) So Barnabas and Paul, after traveling around, declaring the message of the gospel, seeing miracles, seeing signs and wonders, being persecuted for the name of the gospel, they're traveling around. They finally get back to Antioch, which they had just left. So Barnabas and Paul, they're back there. And some brothers come up from Judea. It's about 300 miles south of of Antioch. They come up from the Bible Belt, the Jerusalem-Judea Bible Belt. And they say to those that are choosing to follow Jesus, great, good stuff's happening here, but y'all need to get circumcised. Y'all need to get circumcised in order to follow Jesus. And it's important to remember, though, that these are believers. This is not some group outside of the church saying, welcome into into Judaism, welcome into being a a part of, of our separate faith. This is brothers in Christ that are bringing this message, right? And the Jews were losing their identity as a chosen race. They were losing their identity as a chosen race through obedience to the law, as salvation to this new covenant. One that came by grace and the fulfillment of the law in the death and resurrection of Jesus. This causes a huge issue up there. It says it it caused no small dissension or debate. They're fighting. So the church thinks it's a good idea, the church in Antioch, hey, we need to put a group together to travel down and talk to the apostles and the elders to figure this thing out. It was big enough for them to travel back the 300 miles to figure this out. You got to think, no cars, no public transportation. This was star walking. 300 miles, it would have taken them some days, even if they were traveling 20 miles a day. All the way down, they're hitting Phoenicia, these other cities. They're telling of all the good things that are happening to the Gentiles. I think that's an important side note. Take note of it because it's something that continues to be a pattern in Paul and Barnabas is that everywhere they go, they celebrate the work of God. They're celebrating the work of God everywhere they go. Can you believe what's taking place? I can't even tell you. I mean, I was just over in this city and this city, and God's at work, and he's saving Gentiles. Everybody you thought was dirty and unclean, he's bringing them to faith and bringing them in as part of the family, as a part of this display people. And so they finally get down to where they're at Jerusalem. It says they're welcomed. 
the apostles, the elders, and what do they do? Continue the pattern. Guys, you're never going to believe what's happening. Gentiles are coming to faith. They're being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is where it gets kind of freaky because then it says, brothers of the party of the Pharisees stand up and say, that's awesome, but they got to get circumcised. And this is something I've never noticed about Pharisees before. You hear it talked about a lot as this religious separate group in Scripture. But this says these were brothers that were a part of the Pharisee party. This was a political party, an extension of how they followed the Torah according to Jewish culture. This was the working class Jew. This was their party. And so what's taking place is they come up from Judea up to Antioch to say, look, it's great what's happening here, but the way that we've been following the Torah, you need that. And the debate that is arising is one that says, is it grace alone or do we have to follow the rules the way that the Pharisees are following the rules? And, and Paul and Barnabas are going, uh-uh, uh-uh, you don't understand. It's cool if you're a Pharisee. I don't care if you're of that party. And you can keep following the Torah the way that you were following the Torah before you found faith in Christ because there's nothing wrong with that. But you cannot impose those same rules on the brothers that are coming from the pagan backgrounds. You can't add your extra stuff to the gospel. They've been saved by grace. And so, it's also important to note they didn't say stop being Pharisees. They thought it was more valuable to have them at the table than to tell them they couldn't be Pharisees anymore. So they're all at the table together, the apostles, the elders, and this goes into another heated debate. It's fire going down. They're yelling at each other. Back, I'm adding that. They probably were, though, because it said it was no small debate, right? They're after it. And I can just picture Peter's, Peter's listening to everything that's going on. He's sitting there. And he stands up and he says, You know what happened to me in Acts chapter 10? You all remember that? When the sheet came down and I was in a trance and I came out of it? And God told me to go into the Gentiles and tell them that they were now a part of this? You know the story. And you also know that the Holy Spirit fell on them and they began to speak in tongues the same way we spoke in tongues in Acts chapter 3. You don't have a leg up on them. Your experience is no greater than their experience. Your national cultural history as the chosen people of God is now null. They are a part. They are the chosen people as well. This is a new people that's being established. And he says this, he said, God made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. So why are you putting God to the test? By placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers or we have been able to bear. We couldn't even live up to the law that we said we were living up to. That's why we had to do animal sacrifices. We kept failing, and now you're saying, go get circumcised, because that really worked. 
He says, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. You know what happens? Everybody gets quiet. And you know what Paul and Barnabas do? They go back into sharing everything that has been happening, how the Holy Spirit's falling on the Gentiles, how people they thought were dirty, how people they're debating over the dirt of people's lives because they don't follow the law the way that you do. They're debating over that. And Paul and Barnabas are telling how the Holy Spirit's falling on those same people. And now they're made clean, just like you're made clean. After he gets done, James stands up. And he says, guys, what's happening in this room right now is fulfilled in the Old Testament. And he starts quoting the Old Testament. says, the Gentiles, they don't need to be circumcised. God's saving a remnant of people. And then he proceeds with some pastoral wisdom. He basically says, the circumcision thing has been settled for a lot of the Jews already. This was not a common thread. This was a, a political party line thing of how they thought the Torah should be followed. So a lot of the Jews... They weren't, they weren't down with this already. But then he goes on to say, here's what I think we need to ask them to do. We need to ask them not to eat rare steaks that were sacrificed to idols. We need to ask them not to drink blood, unclean animals. We need to ask them not to fornicate. And if they do that, they'll be doing good. Now, doesn't that sound, though, with those things, doesn't that sound like He's imposing the law. It contradicts Romans, right? When Paul says, all things are lawful for me now, but not all things are profitable, right? Or does it line up perfectly with Romans? Where he's saying to this minority culture that's entering into a majority culture that is struggling with the loss of their identity as the only chosen people based on their nationality. And he's saying to that culture, give up the circumcision thing. And then he turns to minority culture and says, hey, you're going to offend a lot of these Jews that have been hearing for years that they shouldn't eat this kind of meat and they shouldn't do this for the sake of unity. Don't, don't do it. Because if you have a small group, and your Jewish brother comes in and you have a stake there that had been sacrificed to the idols beforehand, they're going to get highly offended by it. Right? This is a pastoral thing at this moment. And it's a wrestle that every one of us need to. If you're a part of majority culture right now, you need to hear the wrestle of laying down your cultural preference, your cultural power, your cultural control, and entering into a new kingdom. And if you're from minority culture, bear with us because we're the weaker brothers it talks about in Romans. Bear with us because we're still learning how to let go of our power. 
So after that point, they are able to send a letter to the brothers. They get encouraged. They send Paul and Barnabas back to Antioch with some other guys to affirm it. Hey, guys, just want to let you know, circumcision's off the table. Just do these things and you'll do well. And then the brothers get so excited about that, the encouragement, and then those guys stay for a while and they spend time ministering to the saints there. And unity takes place because of a a laying down of power. What you have to understand and why this thing has been freaking me out is that what's being addressed here will continue to resurface over and over and over and over again through the rest of the letters that are sent out. This council will be referenced over again by Paul, by Peter, by James. Again, all guys that were there. You want to know what's crazy? Is that it defines a struggle in that moment, but it defines a struggle now. It was then, it's now. We're constantly sucked back into a, a, our longing to be special. To have a leg up. And that's not just in the world. That's in the church and among the body of Christ. We want to have our thing that makes our church special and unique. Just a little bit better than the church down the road. We do it just a little bit better. We want to prove that in some way we're worthy that God would choose us. We want to prove that we earned it. We're wanting to elevate ourselves in the eyes of others and to be like God. Sound familiar? Genesis chapter 2, 3, the fall. This is a constant warning to us as the church. It's the burning question then. It's the burning question now. Think about this. Galatians chapter 2, Paul's writing to them. And he starts penning this letter and he's telling them about how, hey, we were chilling out with the Gentile brothers and Peter was there. Peter, who's the biggest advocate, Peter's there. He's sitting with the Gentiles. As soon as some guys that James sent up that were of the Pharisee party that thought people needed to be circumcised, he stands up and goes and hangs out with them to prove that he still has a leg up in cultural and national Uh, sanctification. And Paul calls him out on it. We settled this at the council, Peter. And it says that it was such a persuasive and powerful thing at that time that Barnabas was sucked into it. This is our struggle today. Just because I come into the body of Christ doesn't mean that I have submitted my cultural lens to the gospel to the place that I don't feel like I'm superior to other people. Because I don't like the way they do it. Because they don't follow the law the way that I follow the law. Because they're not of the party that I'm of.
There's a couple things that I want to touch on because I, as I wrestled through this text, there's so much that I saw in myself that was breaking me. This, this text's been a mess to me because it's tying stuff together. It's making me realize and have sympathy for the Jews at that time. I'm like, before I'd read that and be like, yeah, circumcision is the dead, that's gone, yeah. I'm eating meat now, that's cool, whatever. But <laughs> all of a sudden, I'm starting to see what are the, the implications of this on us today? So I, I started with a, a zoom out going to get closer, the church, the local implications, and then personal implications. The cultural implication for me is this. For me, it's recognizing that nationalism in our culture easily sells itself as patriotism. Not only that we should love, serve, and care for our country, but that in some way the United States of America is God's new chosen people, and that makes us as a people, just a little bit better than everybody else. And we see this very clearly in the way that we try to serve people from other nations. We will help you, but you must become like us. If you don't like it, get out. How many times have you heard that or used that? That's nationalism. That's not patriotism. The local implications. We have to recognize that some of our expressions as a church are not better expressions than what other churches are doing. They are deeply thought through. We put a lot of time into thinking about how we're going to um, reflect the kingdom of God in our community and be culturally relevant to where we're at. But because we're doing it a certain way doesn't mean it's a better way. The way we take communion, the way we do music, the way that we do prayer time, the way we do this, it's not better. It's different. The personal implications, I wrote some questions down that have been burning my heart. Do you constantly look at things you were born into as a one-up? Do you look at your, your privileges, the things you've experienced in your life, and start wondering why someone else is not where you're at and what they did wrong to be there? Or do you look at what other people have and wonder what you did wrong? What did I do wrong to be born this way? What did I do wrong to get the short end of the, end of the stick? What did they do wrong to not be in the neighborhood I'm in? What did they do wrong to be born in that country? And if they followed our system and our pattern and the way we do things, they wouldn't be in this mess. We start looking at blessings from God and somehow turning it into why we deserved God. 
as the band comes. I think it only makes sense as you wrestle through the cultural implications, the local implications, the personal implications of a message like this that calls us to not seek for power the way the world gives, ascribes power. We have to redefine power as sacrifice, as laying down my preferences for the benefit of my brothers and sisters. Why don't they have to sacrifice? They should be. But I don't, it doesn't give any excuse or right. It's like when, when I'm trying to deal with my kids. I'm serious. I'm serious about this because I fall into this same sin, but I'm trying to deal with my kids and they go, but they did this. And I go, I know they did that and it's not right and I'll deal with that. But it doesn't give you an out for not living a life of sacrifice and service that is constantly rejoicing in the work of God. And I think with how much this is the burn, with how much this resurfaces, with how much this will never, never go away because this will be our wrestle. It was in Genesis. It was in Acts. And it is now. Our wrestle will constantly be figuring out how do we apply all the good stuff from my culture to make it the gospel. And he's saying all of that stuff is great. It helps give a more full display of God because it shows his creativity. But you can't add that as a rule to salvation. All are welcome in. To this gospel into this family you don't have a leg up and he goes y'all need to take communion every time you meet together because it reminds us again and again and again that it's the body and the blood of Jesus that saves us and not anything that you can do to earn that not any work not any national uh, blessing. Not any amount of money. Not any gender role. Not any age bracket. You don't get to have a leg up with those things. And this reminds us that. This reminds us of that. Do it as often as you meet because you're going to forget fast and you're going to start back down the, the pride train and you're going to want to be like God and you're going to want to earn it and you're going to want to prove that you deserve it. Today, we get to come together and go, I don't deserve it and I've been given it and I'm a part of that family. Jesus, we need you. We're desperately in need of you, God. Thank you for your body and your blood that unifies us. Thank you that you didn't leave it as your display people by nationality, God. And by law, we couldn't do it. It didn't work for them. It's not going to work for us. And my legalism and rules are not going to work for anybody else. 
today as we stand together to come down the center aisle to get the communion, to go back up the sides. I want you to pray and repent, God, any places that I've been prideful, that I've said they don't get it, that I've said I don't care what is going to offend my brothers and hurt my brothers. They need to get over it. For any place where we've said, you've got to add this and do this or you're not a part of this family because I don't accept it. Forgive me, Jesus. And get your communion and we're going to then pray with people and take communion together at our seats. And if you've never heard this message of God's grace and inclusion before, we'll have some people standing right over here and you can come repent and be saved and come into this family that is just trying to figure out what it looks like to see people from all different backgrounds, all different races and classes and genders and ages be a display people of the kingdom of God that confuses the world. Let's do that now. Please stand and come. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.